Can we give God praise today? All right, today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, what is Pentecost Sunday? Well, Pentecost is 50 uh, days after the Passover. Jesus was crucified on the Passover. And 50 days after that was the day of Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit fell on uh, the upper room and the church was born. And that is why we call ourselves a Pentecostal church. How many is glad that you're Pentecostal? Amen. Now, a lot of people get scared when they hear that word Pentecostal. And I, you can almost always guess, you know, you, you, somebody asks, what are you? And you say, I'm Pentecostal. And what are you just expecting? Oh, the snakes, right? Or all the, the stuff that is portrayed in the media. But you know what Pentecost means? 50. Really scary stuff, right? But it's 50 days after the Passover when Jesus died for our sins. And, and I, I'm just giving us some background today of what I'm going to talk about because today I'm giving a cornerstone message that uh, I give every year because it's at the core of what our church is all about. And that is that we are believers that God still does what he did on Pentecost he still does it 2,000 years later. Come on, does anybody believe that today? Amen. Let's give God praise. So uh, I want to talk to us today about three baptisms, and there are three distinct baptisms that every Christian should experience, and we see these uh, on the day of Pentecost. And I want us to read Acts chapter 2, verse 37, and uh, this scripture, you'll probably hear it uh, a lot if you uh, come here. And I want to talk about why it is so important. And this scripture I'm about to read comes from Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. And he, he, he preached Jesus to the crowd. They uh, hear this commotion that happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they ask, what is happening here? And Peter gets up and he begins to preach Jesus. And the people in the crowd realize that they become convicted in their heart, and they realize that they crucified the Lord and the Messiah who came to save them. And, and they ask a question in verse 37, they, when that says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just not stop there. Go to the next verse. It says, for the promise is to you, your children, and just a couple more generations. No, to all that are afar off. Who's that? That's you and I. And so this promise of Pentecost is still alive, and it's still active and it was experienced here today. Did anybody feel Pentecost here today? It's not a one-time event. That Pentecost is uh, something that still takes place. It, it's not just something that happened on, on this one day, but it continues to happen throughout the world. And, and I want you to notice that in, these, uh, in this verse I just read, 
there are three distinct experiences that the Apostle Peter said. He said, number one, repent. We're going to walk through these. He said, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he says that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, these uh, three things are a reenactment of the gospel. And the gospel is just the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. The gospel isn't that you get rich. The gospel isn't that, uh, you know, your, your life exponentially just gets better. It is that uh, Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose the third day, and that is where our victory is rooted in. Is anybody thankful for the gospel today? Anybody believe the gospel? Is anybody not ashamed of the gospel? Amen. It's still good. And we reenact, when we repent, we, we die to that old man. And in water baptism, we bury that old person. And then when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it gives us the power to live a brand new life. And so these three baptisms are, it's not just something that appears out of nowhere. That there's substance to why God gave us three experiences. And we see that in the book of Acts, that these three baptisms are displayed repeatedly. There's a pattern in the book of Acts. Why is that important? Because the book of Acts is the history of the early church. And, and here's another word I want to give us. Sometimes we, we, we use the word apostolic. That means that we want to uh, repeat the patterns of the apostles. Amen? That there, there's a lot of good people in church history. John Wesley was powerful, uh, gave a, a lot of good writings and songs. And uh, there, there's a lot of good people that wrote important things that are very helpful to us today. But we want to build on, on the cornerstone of the apostles because everything flows from them. Amen? Because Jesus imparted to them the truth. And, and I want to show you in 1 John 5, 8, it says this, there are three that bear witness on the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. And do you see that there? There's three things that agree to the power of God. The spirit, what is that? Spirit baptism. There is uh, the blood. What is that? That is faith in the sacrifice and in the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about these in in detail. And and the water, what is that? Water baptism. Uh, I I didn't give you this one, Brian, but I'm going to put you on the spot. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2, if you could get that cooking just on the spot. Come on, how many appreciate our uh, computer and our... Light people and our sound people. You know what you call this right now? It's called killing time. (laughs) All right. And and, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and they passed through the sea. I want you to see this. Verse 2. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And you can see three experiences here. They, They were Baptized into Moses. What was that? Moses was their deliverer. He is a type of Jesus who led the people out of bondage into the life that God had for him. 
and, and when we uh, have faith in who Jesus is, he becomes our savior. He becomes our leader. And, and then they were baptized in the cloud. What was the cloud? There was a cloud that led the children of Israel out of Egypt and led them day. There was a, a cloud by day and a pillar of a fire by night that gave them direction. And that represents the Holy Spirit and why the Holy Spirit is so important. That, that Jesus said, I don't leave you comfortless, but I'm going to come to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And what's it do? It leads us. And so the, that, that cloud represented the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and in the sea. What's that referring to? When the children of Israel, when they walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, that is a type of baptism. Represents water baptism. And what happened there? Well, the sea was closed up and when the Egyptians tried to pursue them. God closed up the sea, and it's a picture of what happens when we enter into the waters of baptism that God has washed away and wiped away the past. God's wiped away our enemy. They are no more, and we have victory in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Anybody love this truth? Anybody love God's Word? Amen. All right, I want to, I want to give you another pattern. You can see this all throughout the Bible. When you entered into, in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle, and that's where people met God. Uh, put it like this, it was the first church. And God's presence resided in, in a, what was called the most holy place. And there was this tent that was the outer court, and then when you walked into that tent, there was a tent within the tent, and that is where God resided. Here's the thing, you couldn't just walk in there. You'd be struck dead. There was one door that led into that outer compartment, and that represents Jesus. How many of those are still one way? There's still one name. That's the only way you get in. Come on, how many are thankful for that name today? And, and multiculturalism and pluralism, there's still one name. And then you would come to an altar where they would present the blood of a lamb. What is that? That's repentance. That's faith and repentance in who Jesus is. When, when we believe that Jesus died on that cross for our sins, we believe that he was a perfect sacrifice, that he atoned for our unrighteousness. And we put faith in that blood. And like the Israelites, when they... And the death angel came upon the land and they, they put the blood on their doorpost. That's a type of faith. And that's what happens at the altar. And then the next thing that you would do, you'd have to wash yourself. There was a, a laver that you would wash your hands and wash your body. What's that represent? That represents baptism. They would have blood all over their hands. And, and uh, the past would be washed away in that laver, and then before you would go into the Holy of Holies, your head had to be anointed with oil. What's that represent? All throughout the Bible, oil represents the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? Do you see the three baptisms there? Now, I want us to, to go through the book of Acts, and I want to show you in the book of Acts that all three of these experiences are seen throughout the book of Acts. And we already read Acts chapter 2. I want us to go to Acts chapter 8, and in Acts chapter 8, the gospel is given to the Samaritans. Now, who were the Samaritans? They were 
half Jewish, half Gentile. And what we have to realize is this was a big deal because up until now, in this point of Scripture, everybody that had been baptized, everybody that had been uh, basically a Christian, they were Jewish. But the gospel is presented to the Samaritans. God is pushing out and God is expanding the kingdom of God. And the gospel is presented to the Samaritans. And I want you to see in, in 8, 12, chapter, Acts chapter 8, verse 12, it says, And when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Or you see it? There's the first baptism. They believed. They were baptized, both men and women. The second baptism. Now, here's the thing. We, we have no record of, of the third baptism, but I want us to see in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, what happens. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them they simply had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to see here, they, they didn't say, um, well, you know, this really isn't important. There's kind of this other experience that if you get around to it, you know, we'll get there. No, no, they, they said, we have to come and we have to give them the full experience. How many wants the full experience? How many wants everything God has for you? Come on, any believers here today? Any disciples here today? Anybody say 99 and a half won't do. I want 100% of what God has for me today. Amen. And then when they placed their hands on them, they received what? That third baptism, the Holy Spirit. How many thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit? All right, here's what we've got to realize. When we read our Bible, sometimes like we'll read the book of Acts and we think everything happened in like a year. This was five years after the day of Pentecost, okay? So five years after the day of Pentecost, these three baptisms are still happening. You can catch that. Next, we want to go to uh, Acts chapter 10. Again, another monumental movement. Peter comes and preaches to, these aren't half Jewish, half Gentile. These are 100% pagan Gentiles. They, they uh, don't have a Jewish background. And I, I want you to see, he comes and he preaches Jesus to them, like uh, the day of Pentecost. He preaches Jesus. Now, I just want to stop for a minute and say, we, we need to get back to preaching Jesus. We need to get back to preaching about the blood. Need to get back to preaching about Calvary. Need to get back to preaching about what Jesus done for us. And, and I'm all for, uh, you know, preaching about self-improvement and preaching about, you know, different things that can make us better. I'm all for that. And I think you all know we try to give a full buffet here. But there's just something powerful about when you preach about the name and the person and the work of Jesus, good things happen. Amen? Amen. And verse 44 says, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on how many? All that heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out 
even on the Gentiles. And how did they know this? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. I want you to, to see here, P Peter's got some Jewish friends that came with him. And he starts preaching Jesus, and all of a sudden, these Gentiles start speaking in tongues. And his Jewish friends are like, wait a minute, can they do that? I thought that was just for us. Like, that was a Jewish thing. That was just something for us. And God's saying, no, no, no. It's for what? All who are far off. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord. And, and so... Uh, they, somewhere along the way, while G, uh, Peter was speaking, they had that first baptism of faith. And that's what's so great about God, what's so, empower, uh, so impressive and powerful about how God can move. He can move in someone's heart just like that. Where there was once a hard heart, an unbelieving heart, God can change it just like that. And, and here's what I want to tell you. God can do the same thing in your heart right now. You just got to be open. Are you open today? And so they, they believed while he's preaching. And the Holy Spirit, they experienced that, that baptism of the Holy Spirit immediately. And I want you to see what Peter says in verse 47. He says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just like we have? And he what? What did he do? Commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. You see it. They believed. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they were baptized in water. I want to show you one more. Okay. That was 10 years after the day of Pentecost. So you see the pattern? Five years after Pentecost. 10 years after Pentecost. It's the pattern is being repeated and still happening. Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul is uh, on a missionary journey, and he comes to a place called Ephesus. And uh, I want us to, to pick up there in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some, what? Disciples. Any disciples here today? What's a disciple? A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus, and when he gives a command, they're obedient. It's a very simple definition. So they found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, what's sad is that's like a lot of disciples today. A lot of people haven't even heard these things. A lot of people haven't even heard the truth about the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you today, you need to hear about the Holy Spirit. There's a whole dimension of God that you haven't experienced. Wouldn't you want that? And so they said, we haven't even heard about this. And then he asked him, into what name, uh, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. In other words, they were disciples and followers of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist had a, a limited message. He was pointing to Jesus. He was pointing to Jesus, but uh, he could not give the, the full, uh, we could say, message because that wasn't his role. He wasn't there. That Jesus had to die. Jesus had to be resurrected. 
The Holy Spirit had to be poured out. And so these were disciples of John, and they had limited knowledge. They had limited truth. Now, I just want to stop here right now, and I want you to see Paul didn't beat them up. Paul didn't badger them. Paul didn't say, well, you guys are so ignorant and so stupid. Let me show you the full truth and slap you across the face with it. No, no. You know, we, we've got to be humble. We've got to give the truth in humility. And here's what we, we need to realize is that the truth will humble you because how many knows that none of us deserve what God's done for us? None of us deserve what we have. It all is by the grace of God. How many is thankful for the grace of God? How many is glad you know who Jesus is? How many is glad that you know about the power of the Holy Spirit? So they said unto John's baptism, and Paul said, John baptized the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one to come after him, that is Jesus. In other words, John specialized in that first baptism of repentance and faith. And so Paul tells them about Jesus. He's saying, guys, there's more. There's more. I, I want to humbly tell you today, if you've never heard these things today, there's more. There's more where that came, you, you think that what you have is, is good, and it is. Because how many knows that, that Jesus is, you can't improve on Jesus. But once you understand what he wants to do and the full extent of what he wants to do in your life, it's like watching black and white and color TV. If I can use that carnal illustration. How many thankful for color TV? Come on. And so here's what they did on hearing this. They were what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were disciples that heard the word of God and responded. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Verse 6. Do you see it? They repented. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, are you ready for this? This was 25 years after Pentecost. God's still doing it. Alright, so I, I want to walk through these three baptisms very quickly with us. Number one, the baptism of faith and repentance. And to have biblical faith is this. It means that we believe that Jesus is who he said he was and he did what he said he would do. In other words, we, we believe that he is God in the flesh. We believe that he is the spotless lamb of God. And that by his sacrifice, by his blood shed on the cross, we have access to God. And that we have access to salvation. We have access to the benefits that come from him. And if we don't have faith, if we don't get this right, I just want to stop right here. If we don't get this right, nothing else matters. If you don't have faith, if you don't believe, the word of God in Hebrews eleven six 6 says it is impossible to please God if you don't have faith. Anybody believe in who Jesus is today? Anybody believe... He's ruling and reigning in heaven, and he's coming back. Anybody believe that Jesus has the highest name above any other name? Anybody believe that today? 
And here's what I want you to, we are saved by our faith. Faith is the vehicle through which God does everything he's going to do in our life. It comes through faith. This is so important. You can get baptized every day for 100 years. If you don't have faith, you're just getting wet. You can do all the religious stuff and all the motions and all the things that are good things. But if you don't have faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus said, and John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is still the way. Jesus still has the highest name. And, and, and that is why we baptize in the name of Jesus. Is because that is the name that God has given to us, manifested to us, by which we are saved. Acts 4.12 nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. Everybody say, no other name. Amen. Under heaven, given among men, where we must, which we must be saved. Does anybody love that truth? Does anybody love that verse? Anybody love the name of Jesus today? Come on, is anybody thankful for the name of Jesus? There is no other name. There is no other way. It's still good. It still works. It's still powerful. It's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has power. We don't pray in the name of Mickey Mouse. We don't pray in the name of John the Baptist. We don't pray uh, in the name of Bluey. Anybody seen that new cartoon, Bluey? It's powerful. Didn't realize that I posted about Bluey on my social media, y'all, and I misgendered her. She's, it's a girl. I thought it was a boy, but... There we go. It's 2022. We don't baptize in the name of Bluey. We baptize not in the name of Pastor Jeremy. Why? Because I didn't do anything for you. We baptize in the name of Jesus. Why? Because that's the name that have power. We pray in the name of Jesus. We witness in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he paid the price for that power. Repentance, what, what does it mean to repent? It means to turn. I just want to tell you right here, repentance isn't just getting emotional and crying. That's a part of it, but it's more than that. It's a decision. I've, I've seen a lot of people, they come up and they cry and they, you know, and you think, wow, they're really doing business with God. And when you talk to them and you get right down to it, they're just mad that their girlfriend left. They're upset over life circumstances, and they walk out this door and change because they didn't make a decision. They just wanted God to fix something. And repentance is, God, I don't care if, if you never fix my relationship or my car or anything else. God, I want you to fix me. I'm making a decision. I'm walking away from the world. I'm walking away from darkness, and I'm walking towards light. God, I, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, I'm, I'm going to live my life. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect after we repent. It means we're going the right direction. And when we fall, we get back up. And we try again. That's what grace is all about. Grace is about letting God pull us the right direction. And, and here's what happens at repentance. We stop being God's enemy. And we make a decision. There's something powerful about a decision. 
what, what gives marriage, those wedding vows, powers, you're making a decision. Not, not, not an emotion, a decision. Come what may, I'm following Jesus. And I might walk out of here today, and all my friends might say, see you later. I might have family that say, we're done. But I am going to follow Jesus. I am going to obey his word. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you, but unless you repent, you shall all likewise, what? Perish. You have to repent. And here's what God does. The, the penalty of sin is removed at repentance. You see, there, there's a penalty for our sin, and somebody has to pay the price. And Jesus paid the price. And that, that's what's so important when we put faith in that altar of repentance. We put faith in that work that God did at Calvary. That's what paid the price for our sin. And, and the Holy Spirit moves on us. You know that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that we can't even have faith without the Holy Spirit moving on us. It's not a good idea we have. It's not anything within us. The Holy Spirit, and I, I hope it's happening right now, is moving on somebody saying, what you're hearing is truth. What you're hearing is what you need. And the Holy Spirit moves on us, and that enables us to believe. And so the, the Spirit of God moved upon the earth in Genesis chapter 1. And that's what we want the Holy Spirit to do. Move on your heart. If you've got a hard heart, open up to the Holy Spirit, which is the way God speaks to us. And so God, God isn't expecting you to be perfect or know everything about Him at repentance and faith. You, you just got to believe some very simple truths, and that is Jesus is God. He died for my sins, and I'm going to live for Him. Come on, has anybody made that decision today? Amen. Number two, the, the second baptism is the baptism in water, in the name of Jesus. Water baptism, we talked about repentance removes the penalty of sin. Here's what water baptism does. It removes the record of sin. Washed away. God gets his white out, and when we... Take the method and obey the method he's given us, something happens. Now, a lot of people say, well, well baptism's just an outward expression of belief. And I believe that. It is an outward expression of saying, I'm all in. But there's also something internally that happens by faith. Let, let me give you an example. Like, there's a lot of things I don't understand about communion. I don't understand how taking a little bit of wine or grape juice or whatever and a little bit of bread. I don't understand how that all works, but Jesus gave us that method for a spiritual reality to happen. Does that make sense? And that's the same way with baptism. I don't understand it. There's a lot I can't draw on a board to make logical sense. That is the method that God chose for this part of our spiritual experience. Verse uh, Luke chapter 24, I want you to see what Jesus said. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in what? His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Notice what he said, repentance and remission of sin in his name. Remember Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Now, 
what we have to realize is that this is a very important part of our discipleship. Baptism is very important. And, and when you see the book of Acts, we, we read those scriptures we just read. Almost every time, and I didn't actually include everything in the book of Acts, but almost every time somebody believed and repented, they were immediately water baptized. And I, I just want to tell you that, that if you've repented and you believe, baptism's your next step. And there's an urgency to it because we want to be obedient. Because that's what disciples do. I want you to see what uh, was told to Paul in Acts chapter 22. He had this experience where he's knocked off his horse and he believes in who Jesus is. And listen to what he's told. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. What? Calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord. What, what's that saying? You, you're baptized because you have faith. You're not baptized to get faith. You're baptized because you do have faith. And, and so that when, when we have faith, that next step that we are to take is water baptism. That next experience that God has for us is water baptism. Now, Jesus didn't need to repent because he wasn't a sinner. But as an example to us, he was baptized in water. If Jesus was baptized... How much more do you and I need to be baptized? If he thought it was important and he was the perfect son of God, God in the flesh, how much more important is it for us? And so oftentimes, uh, here's what I found. People experience great deliverances in baptism. I've seen people enter the waters of baptism. I can't explain this and it doesn't work this way every time. But I've seen people that have been addicted to drugs, they walk into the waters of baptism and walk out completely clean and never go back again. Why? Because there's power when we're obedient. John the Baptist, he what baptized, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and there's a powerful picture there because that, that Jordan River flowed to the Dead Sea and nothing can live in the Dead Sea. And that's a, a powerful picture of baptism. When we're baptized in water, it all flows to a dead place where our sins are no more, where there's no record. It's like it never happened, uh, ever happened. It's like that old person never existed. Why? Because we come out of that water in the newness of life. I can think of, of the story in, in 2 Kings chapter 5. There's a story about a powerful political leader named Naaman from Syria. And he had leprosy. And he, he was desperate. Has anybody ever been desperate? And there was a Jewish servant girl in his house. And she said, you know what? If you go see a prophet by the name of Elisha, he can tell you what to do. And he goes and he listens to her. And he goes to this man named Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even come out to greet him. He sends his servant. And he says, hey, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. And when Naaman heard this, he was so disappointed because he thought God would ask him to do something great. He thought there would be like some secret, uh, really intricate thing that God would ask him to do. And it was simply go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. And he was disappointed because the Jordan River is kind of a nasty, dirty river. And he says, there's rivers in Syria I could go to that are cleaner than this. And I came all the way here for this. And one of his servants said, Naaman. He's not asking you to do something difficult. He's not asking you to climb Mount Everest. 
He's not asking you to uh, you know, invent a cure for cancer. He's asking you to simply go dip seven times in the Jordan River and what if it works? And thankfully he listened and when he dipped seven times, he was clean. And I really believe that's a type of baptism. God's not asking us, you know, some people argue about baptism and all this stuff. Do I have to? And yada, yada, yada. And why would you argue about that? If you believe, and if you believe God's word is true, why wouldn't you want to be baptized in the name of Jesus? He's not asking you to do something great. He's not asking you to go be a missionary to Africa. He's asking you to do something very simple. And, and I really believe this. Baptism is a test of our faith. It's a test of our faith. And we want to be humble. And we want to say, you know what? I may not understand this. And do I have to put on one of those white Mormon-looking robes? And is my hair going to get wet? You'd be surprised at questions. I don't have to ask that question. But people ask and it's like, you know what, we'll, we'll do whatever. We'll, we'll give you a t-shirt. You, we got towels here. The water's warm. We'll, we'll put something over your head if you don't want to get your hair wet. But just get in the water. Amen. <laughs> just, it, it, it's, it's not worth losing a powerful experience over your hair getting wet. So here's what water baptism does. It serves as a concrete reminder of what God's done in our life. Because here's the thing, you're, you're going to drop the ball, you're going to need grace, you're going to mess up and the devil's going to come in your ear saying that, that was all just a bunch of emotion, that was all just, you, you didn't experience anything, nothing happened there, nothing changed. You can say, no, 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 I went under the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus and I know that I know that I know I've been buried in him. Romans 6. Chapter 6, verse 3, we'll go through these quickly. Paul says, do you not know as many of us were baptized into who? Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism and death, just as Christ was raised from the dead of the glory of the Father. Even so, we should walk, what, in the newness of life. Amen. Baptism, the burial of the old man, come up a new person. Baptism is a type of circumcision. What was circumcision? Well, it was God's way of Marking out his people in the Old Testament. And look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. He says, In whom you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh the circumcision of what? Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith. See that? What gives baptism power? Faith. In the powerful working of God who raised Christ from the dead. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. One more. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 says, And water symbolizes baptism. He's talking about Noah. He's talking about how eight people were saved through water. And he says, And water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body. In other words, this, this isn't about the water. It's not about uh, external religious stuff. But the pledge of a clear conscience. What, what is that? Faith. What's, what's the pledge of a clear conscience? God, this is what you told me to do. I believe in you. And so to have a clear conscience, I'm going to be obedient to the method that you have given. And it saves you by the what resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to put in a 
plug here. We already saw an announcement. It's Baptism Sunday. Next week, June 12th. Now, we'll baptize you after church if you want to. But the reason we do Baptism Sundays is it gives you kind of a, a date to plan around. You can get grandma. You can get your uncles and aunts here. We want everybody to be here to see what God's done in your life. So next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Let us know if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise God for the people who are going to do that. All right. The third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whom Jesus gives to us baptizes us in power and authority. And I want you to see here, and I believe it was Acts chapter 10, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they were water baptized. And you know why? Because God can do what He wants. He can baptize, He can, you got to have faith, but the way the order works, the rest of the way is up to His sovereignty. And we become fully immersed and possessed by God's personal presence in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see Luke chapter 3, 16. John answered John the Baptist saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I love John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Anybody love that verse? Does anybody love that verse? All right. Here's why I realized God gave us John 3.16 so we could do Luke 3.16. He died, Brother Tenney, one of my mentors. We were on the way to the airport, and his last time he was here, and I think he kind of knew it was the last time he was going to get to be with me. And he said, Jeremy, don't you ever stop preaching for what Jesus died for. If Jesus died for it, you preach it. Jesus died so that we could have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a nice extra. And I want to show you here that it's something that is for everybody. And I just want to stop. This isn't a Pentecostal thing. Last week we talked about worship and I said, the reason we clap our hands isn't because we're Pentecostal. It's because it's scriptural. The reason we shout isn't because it's a Pentecostal. It's because it's scriptural. If it's in the book, if Jesus died for it, I want it. Matthew, I want you to see it. Luke 3.16 and then Matthew 3.16. All the Holy Spirit verses have 16 in them. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up. Jesus was water baptized. He came up from water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him. And I really believe that this was kind of his form of Holy Spirit baptism. And it, it came, it, by the way, can I just correct something? It wasn't a dove, it looks like a dove, like a dove. A lot of people think when they get to heaven, they're going to see two men and a bird. You're, you're not going to see that, I promise. <laughs> a lot of people get carried away with all these artistic representations of, it was like a dove. And I think... The, you know, John is just doing his best to describe what he saw here. Or, I'm sorry, Matthew. And, and so, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see that? Jesus is water baptized. He didn't need to repent because he was God. And then he is uh, 
filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So the promise of the baptism of the Spirit is prophesied. It's prophesied in the Old Testament. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Previous to the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon people in a temporary manner. But after Pentecost, y'all, we have so much, something so much greater than what they had in the Old Testament. Even the heroes of the Old Testament, the Spirit was on them in a kind of a temporary manner. You and I can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit every day of our life. Come on. Joel 2.28 says... And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Amen. How many wants to see our kids filled with the Holy Ghost? How many wants to see our young people filled with the Holy Spirit? How many wants to see old people filled with the Holy Spirit? How many wants to see middle-aged people? Amen. Middle-aged people. We all need to have the Holy Spirit and power. And the Holy Spirit, it was instituted by Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city, that is Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. What's he saying? Guys, stay and tarry. And we, we need to get back to this. If you're seeking this experience, this third baptism, you might have to stay and tarry for a little bit. I want to tell you, that's Okay. Bishop talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She had to stay in Terry. If you haven't experienced this, this that we're not condemning today. We're, we're, here's what God is saying. Come here. There's more. And that's what we're saying. That there's more. If you've been coming for a while, and here's the illustration I give. We're going to let you stay in the kiddie pool as long as you need to. Splash around and, and, and maybe, you know, like you're like, that's kind of weird, and I don't know if I want to do that. Stay in the kiddie pool as long as you want to, but it's really nice here in the deep. There's a lot more happening out here. And so God is saying, come on, come on. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, what did they do? And they were being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard it from me. It's a promise you've heard from me. And he, again, he says, don't do anything until you've experienced this. And, and, and he uh, says again in, in, in Acts uh, 1.8, he says, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the earth. Why do we need this? We need the power to live the life God has for us. I'm just going to tell you, it works. It works. The reason you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it's never more important than today. Where we're all facing attack. There's supernatural power that comes when we experience this baptism. That's why they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Why? Because... Samaritans were going to need this experience to live out the pledge and the faith that they had in their heart if our musicians would come. And then Acts chapter 2, this is why we're Pentecostal. They obeyed what Jesus said. And they tarried and they waited for the promise of the Father. And come on somebody, anybody love this verse? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
when it had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. You know the, the word spirit in the Bible? You know what it, it's really translated in Hebrew? Wind. You know when you say Holy Spirit, you know what you're really saying? Holy wind. And so the Spirit moves like a rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me back up. They were who? How many? All filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can we stand right now and lift up our hands all over this place today? Now next week we're going to talk more about this. And I'm going to flesh this out. But here's what I want us to do today. I want us to take a step. I want us to take a step. If you've never repented, you need to take a step today. Say, God, I've been living my, my own way. I've been doing religious stuff. I've been maybe coming to church for a while, but I haven't surrendered my life to you. Somebody needs to take that step today of repentance. Come on, somebody. Some, somebody maybe needs to take the step. If you've never been water baptized, you need to take that step, whether it's today or you want to plan on next week and maybe you want to have a Bible study. I would love to give you a Bible study. That's why we're here. Amen? This is for all the, this is for all the marbles, y'all. This is why we exist. You need to take that step. Step out in faith. And if you've never experienced the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, here's step one. Ask. Why? Because God never, ever denies people who ask for the Holy Spirit. And then be open. What's this look like? Well, Everywhere in the book of Acts where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was supernatural signs. And the most common one was they spoke in other tongues. We Bishop talked about it, our prayer language. And we're going to get more into this next week. But here's what I want you to do. Just be open. So can we do that today? If you want to come to this altar, come on. I wish I had some prayer warriors that come up here. If you're hungry for God and you...